This is Grape Waves Daily, podcasting from Iceland Airwaves Music Festival in Reykjavik, Iceland. Sounds, insights, artist interviews, every day during Airwaves. From your friends at Reykjavik Grapevine and Instuk Beer. Let's begin Yep, here's our fourth and final edition of Grape Waves Daily here at the Iceland Airwaves Music Festival from Reykjavik Grapevine and Inchtuk Beer. I'm Tim Pogo, and the festival was another massive success, and everyone's sort of chilling out today and, you know, recovering. And with that, I got a few guests today that will kind of end things perfectly for us. Olafur Arnolds will join me. Not only is he one of the most beloved and successful musicians in Iceland in recent years, but he's recently put out a new album and will continue to tour the entire world for pretty much all of 2019. So you'll be able to check him out wherever you are listening in from. Also, we wrap up celebrating the 20th anniversary of Iceland Airways by speaking with the person who founded the festival all those years ago, Magnus Stefansson. But first, she's one of my favorite Icelandic artists of the past several years. She's known as JFDR, and here's my conversation with her. Very happy to be joined by my next guest, Jófitur Alkadóttir. Her stage name is JFDR, or her friends call her Jófi, Jóf. Yeah. And then you got another set of combinations therein, right? Yes, loads of different ones. <laughs> uh, thanks for hanging out. You know, I know these sort of things are easier earlier in the week for, for both sides here, you know, yeah. everyone's all yeah. full of pep and energy. And then right. now that the festival is wound down, mm-hmm. I appreciate you sticking it out. Well, thank you so much for having me. Because <laughs> I know you're busy during these every weeks. Yeah, and I actually, I didn't realize how busy it was until like Wednesday. <laughs> when, <laughs> I put, when I started like putting it all together and I was like, oh my God. But, uh, you know, it, this year was actually really good. I think it's like part of maturing, <laughs> knowing it, how it goes mm-hmm. and like not overbooking yourself and just picking the things that you know you're going to enjoy. And some of those are, r- are really cool. Like... You played a show in a chocolate factory. You, right. you, you put out a, uh, an EP in the form of a chocolate bar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, there was there was a thing with uh, Ausgear who had collaborators in to perform a little live show recorded straight to wax, right, to vinyl. Yeah. You were yeah. part of that. Yes. Talk about these cool experiences like this. Like, it's not just like playing a regular old gig. I know, yeah. And I also did one on um, on Wednesday. Me and Gida, who was also playing, and Ausstefan from Aya. We did um, a performance in Kira's house, which oh. was a, a kind of a collective or a band we have called Palace Muses. And we played to the songs and we um, have been writing some songs where we are just playing acoustically in the room. And we invited people. There were about, like I don't know, 50 or 60 people. And it was not official or anything. It was just posted on Instagram or something. And it was just so many people <laughs> came. And that was so sweet and strange and wonderful. This nice little intimate moment, except there, there is... 50 people crashing the house, right? (laughs) Raining the fridge. Exactly. No, it was like this. It was so, um, it was such a, almost was like a party, but people were very respectful. They kind of did not know what was going to happen because we didn't even say what we were going to do. We were just like, yeah, yeah, that was the the thing. And then the thing in the chocolate factory, which was very ceremony, was the tea ceremony concept. Mm. So we had a tea ceremony before and... And then everyone went into the, the factory and had to wear the full, like, protective oh, yeah. clothing and the hair net. To not anything? Okay. Yeah, and a beard net if you have a long beard. And, um, and then a lot of those in this the, part of the world. <laughs> yes. And they would sit on the floor and listen to us uh, perform. And, you know, we turned off all the lights and um, performed. And then everyone walked out, got a bar of chocolate and, you know. You know oh, they even got a prize on the way out. Okay, got cool. a prize, yeah. 
exactly. Are you just on the actual factory floor playing, or? or yeah, well, we sat on chairs. I'm just envisioning um, these big pipes and things and levers and. Um, you know. It wasn't that. I mean, I'm, I'm envisioning Willy Wonka is what I'm doing here. I think. <laughs> well, it wasn't as big as Willy Wonka's, but um, it was definitely like an unusual space because it was also kind of we had to play kind of in this corner and people were sitting like it was all kind of circled around us. In the, this corner space, and then behind them were these um, were these machines used for making the chocolate. And a lot of my friends and my mom and you know people came over, and everyone had the hairnets. So um, I couldn't really recognize. It was really hard to recognize people when they had the the uh, hairnets and the lights were kind of dim. And yeah, it was it was strange, but it was really beautiful. That is brilliant. I love it. Um, okay, can I tell you something? There's being fortunate to come here and attend and cover airwaves every single year. There there are some things that I can always depend on you know um well i would say terrible weather during airwaves except for this it's been, been good great. i yeah. mean well uh, when we say Compared airways weather <laughs> being good we mean it's not relentlessly raining and two million mile an hour winds exactly, and bitter yeah. cold it's been totally decent yeah yeah, yeah. That, that could be the, the the country's new tourism slogan right totally Iceland, decent. at very best the weather's totally decent. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and the other thing, though, that I can always set my watch on, it's, and it's kind of a comforting thing. I know that I'll walk into a room somewhere at some point during the week, and you'll be there playing uh, by yourself <laughs> or collaborating or the band or some project or something, and that's just kind of how it is. That's, really? I mean, since you began right. doing this, that's, yeah. that's the way you've operated, right? Just go, go, go and play. Yeah, I guess so. You're right. I think my first Airways was 2009, and that was with Pascal Pinon with my sister um, and then in 2011 we started um, Samaris and then they're kind of like okay we're doing two things now la 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 running around and then I was sh- shortly after that it was also um, Gangly we started this the project and then very soon around that time I started doing my solo stuff so I think there was like a peak moment where it was way too many things it was like Pascal Pino was still going on Samaris still going on Gangly was still going on and I was like, but I really just want to be doing my own thing, <laughs> like JFDR stuff. So now, over the last couple of years, now I'm only doing JFDR stuff. So, so now, it's, now it's focusing, I guess, right? Yeah, okay. now it's focusing. I'm very much looking forward to what you got coming up on the horizon. So this new EP has is, is mm-hmm. just been pushed out. Yes. Slash chocolate bar. Slash chocolate bar. <laughs> I wish it was a video interview so we could, people could see this. I mean, I always wanted to make a chocolate album. And I kind of wanted it, it was ideas of like making like a big one, like doing it more conceptual, doing like a vinyl that is actually when you open it up, it's a bar of chocolate. Or doing a CD sized thing. And like when you open it, there's no CD, there's a chocolate bar. Um, but then it kind of, I kind of feel like that was just a little bit too silly and I kind of wanted to just do like a product that people can relate to but it also an object that looks beautiful and also has its other dimension to it you can eat it and it's like it's a familiar form and just because it kind of comes from being just really sick of making CDs as the thing that you're relying on um, Mm -hmm. selling to make a living like I just I don't buy CDs myself and I don't even have a way to listen to them so it's like why why am I still making a CD it's like so it just doesn't feel genuine you know it doesn't feel genuine to me that this is what I'm making I'm making music but I want to push the 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 way of of delivering it to people in in a physical format so this idea was some, somewhere in the back of my mind for a long time. Finally, this is a final product. It's here. And it's so 
beautiful and fantastic. It is beautiful, I gotta say. <laughs> so how does it work? Is it a download code inside or something yeah, like that? Yeah, there's a download okay. code um, working that via Bandcamp. There's also the lyrics are inside. So a lot of the songs are actually going to be on the next album. So I, I decided not to put anything up on Spotify or SoundCloud for this EP. So it's only on the download code if oh, you really? buy the chocolate. Yeah, so it's not anywhere online. Wow. Then I so if, if you didn't hand this to me today, I wouldn't hear it wouldn't, until... Oh except God, unless you. you would have asked for it specifically. You yeah. know? It's like, um, I also wanted just to feel like this kind of random like local thing that you have. And I True. wanted like even download codes to feel a little precious because it doesn't have that anymore. You know, everything is Exactly. So this is like a limited accessible. edition. Yeah. And it also comes back to this thing that we, we kind of, we have access to everything everywhere all the time with our phones and the internet and like and i really feel like uh, we we now feel like we demand to have it there's like people expect to be expect able to it. have everything mm-hmm. people feel a little weird if they're like oh do i actually have to go to the store and buy the thing because at the moment you can't even order online I've, i might change that but like i wanted it just to feel really special in the sense that it's like an object and you have to have this object and you have to have this download code card in your hands to be able to access the thing so I wanted to give it that little kind of secret, exclusive feeling. Yeah, and that was always such a part of music and being a music fan was exactly. having that one thing that nobody else had, you know, and yeah. like treasuring it and, and stuff. And it became a I part of it. you and your identity, and this mm-hmm. is kind of more, now it's it's less important, and music is, doesn't feel as important yeah. as it was. So I kind of wanted to have a tiny little shadow of that emotion in, in this chocolate bar. I think you succeeded. <laughs> okay, thank um, you. Now, but this is all part of a, a bigger forthcoming record or what? Yeah, absolutely. Do you know... Uh, release date yet or nope <laughs> I haven't decided that much okay but um chocolate's out that's kind of like a little little sibling of the album it's a taster it's a ah. little taster exactly um <laughs> no pun intended <laughs> um but suffice to say sometime in 2019 absolutely expect, right? yeah, yeah okay, next year great. I mean it's ready so just need to kind of finalize a few things and it'll be out. great all right she is JFDR check her out get yourself one of these chocolate EPs and look for the new album next year Yofi, I can call you Yofi, yeah? Yeah, of okay, course great. I can. <laughs> uh, talk to her. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. Now, we can't really celebrate 20 years of Iceland Airways without first looking back, figuring out where this all came from. Uh, and to do that, I'm here speaking with Iceland Airways founder, Magnus Steffes. It's basically all your fault, isn't it? <laughs> A big portion of it is, at least. <laughs> Maybe not all. Yeah, 20 years ago, Magnus founded this fantastic music festival. Just take us back, maybe, what was the initial spark that just hit in your brain that said, hey, you know what, I got an idea? It was 98. Uh, I was working for Iceland there at the time as the marketing manager in the U.S., based in D.C., and I get this phone call um, probably December of 98 or January 99 from a guy called uh, Guðmundur Cesar Magnusson. At the time, he was managing two bands in, in the city of Akureyri and up north in Iceland, Toy Machine and Dead Sea Apple. And he calls me up and, and says that, you know, he's trying to get their music to people. There was one, uh, one option for them was to, uh, you know, take the band uh, to a foreign ground or a, a foreign market and, and, and do showcases. Or uh, the alternative was to import some music industry representatives to come and see them on their home turf. Now this happened and, you know, 10, 11, 12 guys showed up and, and we did a trip to Akureyri and, and everybody loved it. Throughout that sort of work, I, I got to know a guy uh, by the name of Harry Polliner, who's working for EMI Music Publishing at the time. He calls me up in April or May of 99 and, and says, you know, 
this was excellent and you know can we do it again you know go in and see some other Icelandic bands and, and I said well let me give it some thought and you know a few days later I call him back and I said why don't we take it up a notch you know I'm trying to sell airline seats mm-hmm. <laughs> nobody goes to Iceland in the winter time so why don't we just <laughs> right? uh, do a music that, festival at least. yeah so that's now. where the uh, the idea came from why don't we just do a uh, a music festival and so we did you know um, and that idea came from 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 a showcase I had seen or a concert I had seen a few months earlier where Guskus and Sigurus played Guskus was releasing an album if I remember correctly and, and Sigurus is brand new at that point right? Sigurus is absolutely brand new at that point in time and, and I had seen that concert and I really liked it so that it was an obvious fit for this sort of first uh, first event and a few months later in October 99 um, we did the first airways at a an aircraft hangar at Reykjavik Airport in cooperation with the city of Reykjavik and Iceland Air and, and, and various others. Sure, I had the connections with some bands and, you know, I was the marketing dude, but I knew nothing about putting on festivals, absolutely nothing. A lot of people involved and and uh, and, and many who, who, who can uh, take a, a big credit for, for having done what they did and 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 called up Baltus Stevenson, who was a member of Goskos as well, and and I'd known them, I knew them quite well because my brother was on the band. You know, can we can you help me out? You know, I, I need to rent the sound system, I need to do this, and I need to do that, and and he did, and he brought in uh, Steny uh, Stevenson, who um, who became the the festival manager. Then they focused on on selecting the the Icelandic up and coming artists and. So in October '99, uh, Harry and I um, did, did the festival. Um, uh, he got uh, some foreign bands to the to the lineup, and uh, I got some Icelandic bands. They're amongst Guskus, and um, called up my boys in DC, Thievery Corporation, uh, who uh, took me up on it. Uh, <laughs> and like, uh, where? What? Sure. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, playing an aircraft hangar in in Reykjavik. You know, hell. So they came out. It was Thievery. It was uh, Guskus. It was um, Karashi, if I remember correctly, mm-hmm. and this Danish girl called Zoe. Uh, Yamal from uh, from Soul Cuffing uh, did a solo act there. Um, we had no infrastructure, no. It was just no bathrooms, no <laughs> bars, nothing. <laughs> it was crazy, really. But uh, we no didn't. Heat. <laughs> no heat. And then things just went boom from boom. then on. From then on. Yeah. Could you tell in that first time that you know that more or less an experiment at the uh, at the airport hangar? Uh, did you get an inkling that you know what? We can do this every year. Yeah, looking back at it, um, it was it was it was no brand. It wasn't a festival. It was nothing. It was just something that we s- figured out. Call let's call it Iceland Airwaves. It's it's a, it's a cool name. So we, I just knew it, you know. And when five hundred people signed up for an adventure to come over and and and, and witness this, um, I knew that that we had something. But twenty years on, you know, ten thousand people, oh, never, never. <laughs> uh, that's beyond my wildest dreams. So it was off and running, had a handful of increasingly successful years, at which point you were like, all right, it's, it's doing its thing. I'm out, right? Absolutely. Yeah, you, you give birth to a child. And then, uh, you know, I, I, I handed it over to the, to the professionals to, uh, to raise it. Uh, you know, Stainy, obviously, a Mr. Destiny company that, that ran the festival for the few, first few years. And then uh, Uton, uh, and, you know, you get festival manager Stainy, you know, Anna Hildur, uh, Grimur. And now um, it's in the good hands of of, of Senna Life. Yeah, and, and it's gone 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 through sort of various phases. But it's it's interesting this year. Uh, the festival is really going back to uh, to how it started. Really, fewer venues and sort of um, concentration. Uh, I feel on 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 some of the up and coming music. You know, the, no big international headliners, no megastars really. Um, so it's it's sort of going back to its roots. I like that. Yeah, I really do. But the, the the interesting part about this this festival is that the the people that the closest to me that that were were part of 
you know, bringing this together, um, have been loyal followers ever since. And I mean, guys like, you know, obviously yourself, uh, like Lee Lust, uh, Harry Polliner, David Frick, who's been a, a loyal supporter. It's one big happy family, mm-hmm. you know, that, and they stay together and then they... Um, they come back and a year after year after year after year and and and, uh, and that to me is 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 um, is the most fun about the festival is that you always see your friends same time next year you know you're right this is part music festival part annual family reunion pretty much <laughs> it is for me for sure exactly despite having been removed from the day to day operation of this festival for several years now can you still walk down the streets now every November look around see what's going on and think to yourself man. We did this. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, every year I get goosebumps, you know, this time of year. It is something that I was a, a big part of creating uh, along with many other people, as I've mentioned, um, who, who actually did the, uh, the most of the work, you know, are, are to thank for the, um, the success of the festival. But going back, thinking about this, how it started, uh, thinking about that trip to Accurate, thinking about uh, just sort of the brainstorming sessions that we went through, through the endless uh, sleepless nights and all the trips to New York to sit down with Harry and, and, and start molding this, to seeing it now yeah, every year, just walking, seeing thousands of people enjoying themselves, listening to Icelandic music. It's, it's hard to describe, you know, it just fills you with pride. And uh, I intend to take that walk uh, every year until the day I die. <laughs> well, Maggie, as someone who, without exaggeration, can say that my life significantly changed and, and took me down paths that I never would have dreamed even possible or would have ever imagined uh, until this country and this festival entered my life, uh, all I can say basically is thanks, man. Hey, you're welcome. And th- see you again next year. That's right. Let's do 20 more, right? Manu Stevenson. Thanks. Thanks. I'm excited to have our next guest on the show, not only because of uh, all the things he's got going on musically, which he always seems to have, uh, but also because I think he can help us uh, celebrate 20 years of this festival. Olaf for Arnold. Hello, how are you? I'm all right. Excellent. Uh, is it safe to say that as this festival has grown up for 20 years, that you've kind of pretty much grown up alongside it? Yeah, I went my first time to Airwaves uh, when I was 20, which is the age you're allowed to go to Airwaves. <laughs> <laughs> and I've I've been somewhat involved every year since. I've never been as a guest, uh, but I've every year I've been somehow playing in a band or playing myself or collaborating with someone who's playing. So I, I've been going to the festival for, uh, yeah, 12 years now. It seems like there was never a moment where you weren't busy with something or a new idea or a new collaboration or, or something yeah but uh, I, I'm stupid like, <laughs> <laughs> I should learn how to take a holiday uh, people always say this like it's something to brag about like you're always working but I'm like oh fuck I'm always working it's like oh yeah wait a second just remind <laughs> me I, I gotta stop that yeah. <laughs> like, like it's something to ad- admire like we, we value work way too much in this society and but, I, but I should relax is my exactly, point exactly yes yes are there any memories that may stick out over the years, uh, either performing or watching another performance or just people you've met and hung out with over these years that stick out? I think my best Airwaves memory still from the 2006 one, which was the first time I, I went, um, Whitest Boy Alive were playing in what is now Hura, but mm-hmm. was Goikurin back mm-hmm. then. It was the Thursday night and... It was like this just this amazing atmosphere and uh, like great band at that time. Still great band, of course. 
and everyone was dancing and having fun. And then when the clock w turned one o'clock, the venue kind of just it's like, all right, like saying like, guys, you have to stop now. You can play one more song. And they're like, no, fuck that. And they just keep on playing. <laughs> and then the place turns on the lights when it's like 20 past one. It's illegal to be open at this point. And they turn on the lights in the room. The band is like, no, fuck this. We're st we keep playing. The police is even outside because they're like, why, are th why is the club open? In the end, the club turns off the power to the PA so that they just have to stop. And the crowd goes so crazy. The band just turns up all the amps on stage <laughs> and keeps on playing until like past two in the morning. Uh, like every time they tried to stop, the crowd would just boo. And apparently the police just said at the end, like, we should let them because uh, if we try to stop this, there will be a riot. There'll be a bigger problem. It's, it's safer to keep it going. <laughs> and that was, that's one of my favorite concert memories ever. So you got a new record. Um, now, it's one thing to write and record new songs, but... You've all, I, I, I got to hear the story about how you've also more or less what invented a new mechanism uh, to make this music or? Well, part of it existed before. It's more like taking an existing technology and doing something new with it. So these self-playing pianos, pianolas are sometimes called or just ghost pianos, I like to call them, um, have existed, of course, for 150 years, 200 years. Um, and di a digitalized version of that has existed since the 80s. But most of their usage has been to simply play back something that's pre-recorded. Like you can see it sometimes like in an airport, just a piano playing on its ah, own and it, it, yes. it plays John Lennon or, mm -hmm. or Chopin or whatever. So th this existent, but I, I looked at it and thought like, I, I find it's, this to be a kind of a funny gimmick that there's no one playing the piano, but it's not interesting artistically in, in any way. So I, I, what I, I did uh, and with people who helped me, of course, um, was to develop a way to use these self-playing pianos as real-time instruments, as generative technology. So we created a software, and the software creates these generative algorithms that uh, play the pianos in real-time based on what I'm doing on stage. So they kind of accompany me and follow me, and, and I, ca I can play them like an instrument, basically. Wow. So all, all at the same time, like three of them at the same time. So things you do sort of trigger what they do then? Exactly, okay. yeah. But but through this, it's, nothing is pre-sequenced. So it's never that I'm just triggering like a, pre yeah, a sample, of a sample yeah. or a yeah. melody. Uh, it's all fully generative in a way. So it's the software deciding at that moment, like, okay, what is Ole doing now? Uh, okay, he's playing this kind of chord, then the software needs to react to that in a certain way. I've always found it remarkable. You've always found new ways to make a record whether it's how to generate sounds like this or just new ways to find a way to record it like but, uh, but like it, it, here's channel. a here's this thing thing with that uh people like to say i'm like a conceptual artist or something I, i'm not i don't have any lyrics and i think that's a very impar important point in all of this most bands have lyrics they tell a story mm -hmm. a literal story or literal words you know that you can understand and you know what the singer is singing about okay this song is about this what the hell is my music about? <laughs> like, it's, seriously, it's, it's, not, it's not about anything. It's, it's completely abstract. It's just a sequence of notes that happens to form a melody. Mm -hmm. That's it. In order to make that interesting, even to myself, and to tell some sort of story or a message, or any, to have anything in the music to grab onto, I need these concepts, where th whether it's this uh, software that plays self-playing pianos or whether like island songs, I'm traveling around the country mm -hmm. and meeting 
musicians or artists that I like and collaborating with. This is the story that usually would get told in the lyrics, I guess. There you go. But this is my version of... Interesting, yeah. And for folks who may not be familiar, Islands was seven locations around Iceland, correct? Yes. Seven different songs, seven different collaborators. Yeah, okay. I, I collaborated with local artists in towns and villages around the country. And the point was very much to find out what drives people, especially what drives people that don't live in a place where there's a music industry, what drives them to make music. Um, and the answer was very often therapy. <laughs> <laughs> like a lot of people just said, yes, I've been depressed. Uh, this is my way of putting those words on paper. A lot of people said, this is the essence of our community. This is gives us an opportunity to come together, to sing in a choir, uh, or, you know, all, all these things that people do in the countryside. We don't really do that much in the city. Mm -hmm. yeah, the, like my cousin, who is actually in the film, lives in Flatere. She conducts like seven choirs. And in the whole Westfjords, there's like 5,000 people. <laughs> <laughs> it's like in her village, there's 150 people. You know, but she so goes to all the, the all the other villages and conducts the choirs there. And then she plays the organ in the Sunday mass. She, she plays at everybody's uh, baptism, everybody's weddings. And then they, she plays at their funeral, you know. So it's for, she's a full-time musician. It's her job. But she's not releasing records, she's not going on tour. She's simply providing a service to the community. And she's also then pretty much becoming a piece of these people's lives in that role. Yeah, it's a stable in everybody's life. It's like the, the local musician. <laughs> <laughs> now, for people who are catching this outside of Iceland, I mean, you're, you're coming to them, right? You're, you're going to be getting around uh, between now and next spring, right? Uh, yes, I have been getting around. We just finished a seven-week European leg. Uh, just came to Iceland for this actually and on already on Monday we're heading off to the US we're doing the East Coast now then we do Australia uh, then we have a headline show here in Iceland and then next year we're coming back to the US back to Europe Asia South America so we have another year to go on tour <laughs> I, I first became aware that the tour is coming uh, a few weeks back I was at the Orpheum in Los Angeles to see yes, Spiritualized I'm, I'm playing and, at the Orpheum uh, I'm standing there waiting to walk in and in, in the lobby I look over like oh and there's your face really big 10 feet away from me in the poster oh, I'm like oh great it's coming. nice to hear they're preparing for my absolutely yeah, arrival. they're already playing it now yeah, <laughs> yeah. they're already pushing it months in advance fantastic <laughs> Olaf, keep up the great work. Seriously, we all enjoy it, and uh, we all enjoy seeing what you're up to each time we come in airwaves. And, yeah. <laughs> uh, and appreciate you stopping by. Thanks a lot for having me. And that does it for this edition and this series of Great Waves Daily. Thanks to my guest, JFDR, Olaf Arnolds, and the founder of Iceland Airwaves, Magnus Stephenson. Oh, and I should point out, about that chocolate bar record that JFDR has put out and was describing, she's posted a video on her Facebook page of unwrapping it so you can actually see what it all looks like. It's brilliant. Seriously, check it out. And massive thanks to Reykjavik Grapevine, Ainstuk Beer, and of course, the Iceland Airwaves Music Festival for making all this possible. And I look forward to bringing it all to you again next year at Airwaves 2019. I'm Tim Pogo. Thanks for joining us. This has been Great Waves Daily. Join us tomorrow for more from Iceland Airwaves Music Festival in Reykjavik. From your friends at Reykjavik Grapevine and Instagram Beer.